The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the program today, Afternoons with Mike, right here on The Shepherd. I have with me in the studio, Scott Sturgill from Sanford. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderfully. Thank you. Kind of getting back into the saddle after uh, an unexpected trip to Indiana, let's say. But I'm back now, and things are uh, are, are shaping up for a nice weekend today. And I, I'm uh, I'm hoping you have one too. Yeah, it's it's busy busy these days, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be a nice weekend. So. Well, what is making you so busy? It's not a surprise to anybody who knows you, but you're running for Congress. And again, you're one of the rare people. I don't talk to lots of what I would consider to be native-born. You're, you're from Sanford all your life. Didn't just move down. I am. I'm fourth-generation Seminole County resident. Uh, so I went to Seminole High School and then went on to Flagler College. But yeah, so I'm running for Congress in the 7th Congressional District, which covers all of Seminole County and a good portion of Volusia County up to Port Orange and Daytona Beach Shores. So so we're real busy these days and uh, doing lots of events and meeting lots of great people along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you have to be busy. There's no candidate that is uh, not. And, you know, it is more difficult, I would think. I'm not I'm not one that's been a candidate, but everyone that I've talked to, they're surprised at the rigor and the pace of the whole process of candidating. It's it's uh, amazing, isn't it? It is. It's, um again, the... The part of meeting different voters and different constituents out there is great. I love hearing everyone's story and, and seeing what drives them on a daily basis. But mm-hmm. there's some days where we start at 7 a.m. and we might get home at about 10 p.m. because yeah. there's just several events throughout the day because it is a big district. And so we try to make sure that we're going to every event we can and, and make sure that we also you know speak to every group that we can. So it's a, it is it's a long day, but uh, I've got the support of my my kids and my girlfriend and you know so it makes makes life a lot easier when you've got the support of your family. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about you. How you are from this area? We know that already. Uh, how did you come to know the Lord? So I, yeah, again, I live in Sanford with my kids. Um, so I've got two daughters. Sophia is sixteen and Alyssa is twelve. And um, but again, it's just you know growing up in Seminole County, growing up with two parents who um, we don't always attend church. But we always had the faith and the belief of, you know, do right by God, you know, and follow his commandments and everything you do. And so I've tried to, you know, raise my kids with that same mentality of, you know, again, what would God do? What would Jesus do in every situation? And do the right thing. Always do everything with integrity. And so, you know, again, I, you know, nobody's perfect, but I want to make sure that, you know, again, we always try none to None of us are perfect. No, man. none of us are perfect. <laughs> and you know, any, sure. I have always found that anyone yeah. who claims they are, you know, is not is not being honest or truthful mm-hmm. at that point. But I just want to make sure that we always kind of, again, do right by everyone and treat everyone with the same respect, you know, the way, you know, certainly the way that God would teach us. What was it like growing up in Sanford? It was great. I, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. You know, Sanford is a small town community. Um, you know, there's not many people that I don't know or I haven't come across in Sanford. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big, big town, you know, as far as square footage. 
but it's you know but it's a very tight-knit community mm-hmm. so yeah i've seen stanford go through the the change in historic downtown you know where it was it had been the the great place before orlando because stanford you know with the river was the the main destination and oh, then orlando it was came so and, gorgeous with lake monroe right there yeah and and obviously that's one of the best you know assets of sanford is lake monroe and the beauty of that but then you know sanford got kind of bypassed for many years as orlando and disney and all those you know developed and now it's it's making a comeback and it's you know so most of the town has been redone and revitalized and it's it's now a pretty hopping place on any given night you'll find sanford mm. pretty busy and what you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of families move into the area um, again, they like the, the nature of the, the small streets, you know, so you, you know, your kids can go out and play and you're not really worried about, you know, where they're at, you know, so you know that they're, they're doing the right things and they're just being kids. Well, people moving down from New York find the prices of homes down here so much more affordable than what they are accustomed to up in New York that uh, there's no, no question they're happy as can be to find a delightful small community that they can move into and afford the home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Central Florida has to offer. It, it, you know, we offer many different types of communities or neighborhoods. And again, the, the pricing, you know, well, it's, it's been crazy the last you know, few years as prices have driven up. And it certainly has outpaced, um, you know, what salaries are doing these mm-hmm. days. Yeah. But it's, uh, but it's certainly more affordable from a tax standpoint and a purchase price standpoint than what they're experiencing in the Northeast. Oh, absolutely. Or out West, either one. And again, we have people coming from California here as well. And the great state of the great free state of Florida is how we are being referred to so often. uh, Thanks in great part to our, our governor who's really fought for our freedoms here in Florida. Yeah. I mean, the governor did a great job. I mean, during COVID, he, he kept our state open. He, you know, I loved how that he, governed and made decisions by the facts. You know, he wasn't, he didn't go by hype. He didn't go by hysteria. He went strictly by the facts. And I had a chance to talk to the governor a few times during COVID and just always told him, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for allowing us as businesses to stay open. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because as a business, we thrived during COVID. Um, My company is called Durable Safety Products. We're based in Sanford and we supply PPE products. Now we've been doing that since 2010. Um, so, oh, we, so you, know, you were in the right business we were, for that yeah, pandemic. Knock on wood. We were in, we were yeah. positioned and in the right, in the right business. And so we, we thrived. Now we had a lot of sleepless nights during COVID because we had a lot of shipments, you know, in the air or in transit that we were trying to get to customers. And sometimes FedEx and UPS would give you a little bit of a heartache because you'd be checking and looking to see if the shipment was moving and it wasn't moving. And so it was, it was a lot of sleepless nights, but um, we were able still to deliver to our customers and make sure that they got the product that they desperately needed. But again, I cannot say enough great things about the governor and his style. Um, and I like the fact that he takes on the tough issues. He doesn't back away from it. And I think that's what we need obviously here in America more is we need folks who are going to lead with integrity. They're going to lead um, with a conviction mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to be adults at the end of the day. You know, one thing we need in Washington is we need more adults in the room. And that's that's kind of what our campaign is based on is adults in the room. I, I believe in term limits. I believe in making decisions for the country that are, you know, fact-based and business-based. You know, may not always be the most popular decisions, but I think when you go in with that kind of a dedication and that kind of a philosophy, you're not you're not worried about your next election you're, because you're doing the right thing for the mm-hmm. voters at the end of the day. 
That's a great way to look at it. And we do need to be people of conviction. And it is sad, isn't it, that we have so many in our government at all different levels. And that makes Ron DeSantos uh, really appear to be different than so many uh, because we have so many who are at times acting like they're not adults in the room. And, and it's crazy. You wonder who in the world uh, is watching over you know, the the steering wheel here for this country. And I'm grateful that there are people who are saying, hey, enough is enough. Uh, we can't have this kind of leadership. I'm going to get personally involved. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like that's what's happened to you. It is. It's, you know, it's certainly it's one of the driving forces of, you know, you see what's happening in, in the economy. You know, we see that there's really no one offering solutions. You know, what we need now is we need solutions to solve the problems. And you know, we're all feeling it at the gas pump at this point. We're hmm. all feeling it at the, yeah. at the grocery stores. We're seeing it in the supply chain solutions. But if you look at the other issues, you know, we have the southern border where it, it is free and open. You know, we need to secure that southern wall. We need to build that wall. We have, because the amount of drugs and fentanyl and sex trafficking and human trafficking that are coming through the southern border is just absolutely insane how much it's coming through. And it's affecting all areas, including this area. I mean, for fentanyl, this is one of the top areas in the state for fentanyl overdoses, along with human trafficking and sex trafficking. Uh, Orlando is the number three place in the entire state. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's a big issue. And that's, uh, you know, something that we need to address and we need to put make sure we're putting funds there to, to stop this because it's not just affecting kids. It's affecting adults as well. You know, you wonder how that a lot of the news people who are choosing not to report on the just the devastating consequences that we're seeing at the southern border. Now, America in large may not be as aware or acutely uh, aware of the dangers that our, our border men are, and ladies that are working on the border, uh, those guards, those, those officials down there that are having to actually see it mm-hmm. and deal firsthand with it. But for those that are there in Texas, especially in Texas, it is, it's a crisis and, and it is terrible. And the things you mentioned, those, those things, uh, COVID, even the thing about COVID, it boggles my mind how that our officials are allowing this to happen when they say they care about getting well from the pandemic, but they, there's no testing that goes on to those people that are crossing illegally. No. And that's you know, obviously that's the failure of the Biden administration. Again, we need to allow the, the federal, you know, the border agents to enforce the laws that are on the books. And they can't do that when you've got the administration basically putting the handcuffs on our, on our border patrol agents and not allowing them to do their jobs. So that's where Congress needs to step in and kind of overrule the president at this point because, you know, he, they need to be able to do their jobs and because yeah, all law enforcement are being hamstrung these days. We need to make sure that they have all the, the tools, you know, at their disposal, you know, more pay, you know, better resources just to be able to do their jobs. You know, and I'm, I'm grateful for everything that they do on a daily basis mm-hmm. to keep us safe here in Central Florida. I mean, mm-hmm. so, you know, we have our own issues in Central yeah, Florida. Yeah, we do. We have our own border, if you will, that is always been an issue really with drug running coming up from South America and so forth. But, uh, you know, these are things that you mentioned handcuffing our own people. I mean, that, that is the most bizarre thing that is a reality right now is that we have laws on the books that are not being kept, that are not being observed. And there is this, what seems to be a growing sense of just uh, throwing out the window, any sense of rule of law of what should be done or what is right to do or what is even good for the people 
that seems to be right now not being taken into consideration. Correct. And, and you know, obviously we understand that the, the president, uh, President Biden and his administration are, are doing it for political reasons, you know, because they certainly want to bring in as many voters as they can for their next election cycle. But again, law enforcement, they got to be able to do their jobs. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they take an oath, every, they've taken an oath to serve and protect us. And again, as citizens, we want to be able to go to sleep every night knowing that our communities are safe and that we're well protected. And so, again, you got to let law enforcement do their job. Um, and so, you know, the fact that the president is stopping them is absolutely outrageous. Are there things that you know of that, let's say, citizens in Texas could be doing that maybe they're not doing as much as they need to be doing to help draw attention and raise concern over these type of issues, are there things that the general population can actually do that draws a lot of attention in such a way that they'll have to do something? Well, I think through, you know, obviously through iPhones or cameras or whatever, you know, let, let them take photos, let them take videos showing that the, you know, the, the border agents are, are being stopped and not allowed to do their job. I think, you know, putting that on social media, keep spreading the word. Eventually, you know, that, you know, gets out. And I think that, you know, obviously with some of the new social media platforms out there that that aren't part of the woke culture or, you know, being censored, you know, will air that. And I think enough people start to see it and pay attention. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I hope they do. And I hope that uh, we can uh, see an end and maybe this um, this election in the midterm here might uh, provide some answers and maybe give us a little bit of relief. We hope. And uh, that's what I know a lot of people are putting their their hopes toward, and we'll see how that goes on. But meanwhile, going back to you, what was the deal in your own heart and mind when you made the decision to, to kind of uh, go ahead and push the button and start this process of running? It, it's certainly an opportunity to serve. Um, I'm a problem solver. I like being able to help folks with their problems and, and maybe just connect them. You know, if, if you got a citizen who's got maybe an issue with an agency, being able to connect them and then get out of the way. Um, you know, so again, it's, it's one of the issues that, you know, I love to do. I was used to be elected uh, countywide under the Soil and Water Commission in Seminole County back in 2012. And probably one, again, one of the greatest parts about my job was, even though it was issues that had nothing to do with the office that I was elected to, I could still make connections for folks, you know, whether it be in Tallahassee or in Washington or locally, where they had been kind of stifled by bureaucratic agencies for so long, you know, maybe six months. And then all of a sudden with a five minute phone call, you've got that person's issue resolved. You got them in touch with somebody at that agency who says, all right, let me, let me help them. Let me fix it. And you know what? That makes all the difference in the world to those folks, because we don't know what everyone's going through on, on a daily basis. So it's an opportunity to serve. Again, I believe in term limits. I don't believe it should be a career. Um, and for me, it's, it's not a career. It will serve a few terms and then we'll get out of there and let the next generation take over. Um, you know, I don't pretend to be the smartest person in the room. And, you know, I got myself surrounded with a lot of good advisors, you know, people who are experts in their own field who I can turn to and say, can you give me, you know, the good and bad on each mm -hmm. subject? What do yeah. I need to know? Both sides of the issue, because I think it's important that you know both sides of the issue and then find out where, where the middle ground is. What is it that uh, most of us would not know about running for Congress yeah, that, that has to do with the impact on your own personal life, your own personal job. I'm sure it, it, it just makes a major interruption to everything that's normal in your life. What do most of us not know about that? 
most people don't understand the, the schedule that goes into it. So, you know, whether we're at an event, you know, that's when you see us probably. But it's the, it's the time, you know, maybe you're in the car going to the next event where you're constantly making fundraising calls and trying to get donor support or just voter support or community support um, to support your campaign. You know, you're also, you know, again, maybe you're filming commercials. Maybe you're doing interviews in this case. But I couldn't do it without the support of my kids, without the support of my, my family. But I also have the advantage of, again, having my own business. Is I've got good people on our staff who I don't really need to be at the office all the time. I've got good people knowing that everything's under control. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I still kind of I still watch everything, you know, so through iPhone and iPad, I can still see everything. But it, you know, it gives us an advantage to be able to do that because, you know, running for Congress is very expensive. It's not, you know, running for any office is, is expensive. Um, but it's the time away from home and your family that you have to make sure that your family is on board because I will tell you, if they're not on board, things are not going to go well for you. And you, they have to be 100% in support of the mission of what you're doing. In the time we have left here in this break, before the break, uh, what would be the best thing that you found that you love about this process? And what is the most difficult? I think the most difficult is, is obviously the having to ask people for, for money to help support your campaign. That's not, you know, you kind of come to it and say, all right, you know, I'm going to make all these donor calls and, and talk about our campaign. So that's probably the more difficult thing. But the greatest thing is, is getting to meet folks, getting to meet folks who I normally probably wouldn't cross paths with and getting to hear their story and what drives them and find out what a hot issue is for them, you know, because that may not be the hot issue that's on our agenda, but sometimes you roll that issue into your agenda platform. And so again, Every, community, every neighborhood is different, what drives them. And I think, you know, again, we want to make sure that they know we're there to serve them. Excellent. Scott Sturgill, and he's my guest. I'll be back with Scott for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. In the studio with me today is Scott Sturgill. Scott is a candidate for Congress in the Central Florida area. Give us those boundaries again. So I'm running for... Florida Congressional District 7, which covers all of Seminole County and majority of Volusia County, um, basically from the southern line of Volusia County up to Port Orange and Daytona Beach Shores. Mm-hmm. So I'm a fourth generation Seminole County resident. I'm the only candidate that's actually born and raised in the district. Um, and then I also operate my my company based in Sanford. Wow. And you lead a busy life, my man. Yes, sir. Now, in addition to that, you have a real heart for the whole educational scene as well. Tell us about that. So uh, last year I was appointed by Governor DeSantis to be on the board of trustees for Seminole State College. Um, and part of my passion is making sure that we're teaching high school kids you know, coming out. Because not every kid coming out of high school is college bound, um, nor do they want to go, or they may not be able to afford it. And so my passion with Seminole State College is, you know, helping to develop the, the trade school programs um, that we're doing that you can take a kid out of college and they may come out and maybe they're doing air conditioning. Maybe they're doing plumbing or electrical program. They're coming out of high school and within one to two years, they're making over six figures. So I think there's been this stigma of, you know, everyone needs to go to college and the trade schools, you know, trade career is, is a bad thing. You know, I take the opposite approach. I think a trade career is phenomenal. And I don't know if you've tried to get, you know, workers, you know, lately around the house, they are, yeah. they are booked out, you know, a few months in advance. And if you get them, you know, you're not paying, it's not, 
<laughs> you're not, not getting a, changes, you're not getting uh, a Groupon deal. Yeah, yeah you're getting the full <laughs> the full sticker price. Yeah, or, but you know, I think there needs to be more of a of a passion and more you know of a push to get kids to look down this career path because you, you look at so many of these kids who go to the universities, they come out of school so heavy in debt that they can't even afford the you know, the, the payments to repay it. You know, a lot of times that's a mortgage payment for these kids once they get out of school, you know, trying to pay off their student loan debt. And so, you know, they can go to a, a Seminole State College or, you know, one of the other, you know, state, you know, state community colleges for a fraction of the price. I think a tuition at Seminole State is about $3,000 for the year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's affordable for the students. And obviously there's, there's obviously there's grants and scholarships and different things that they can go for, but it's, you know, they can come out of school making some serious money that is giving them certainly, a, you know, an advantage in life mm-hmm. over their, over their peers. And so, you know, Seminole State's got some great programs there with our construction trade program. We have the auto mechanics program where we're, you know, getting these kids through the auto tech program, they're ASE certified. And then we also have, um, you know, plumbing programs and electrical programs. So it's uh, really some great industries that are going. And then we also have the nursing program. And I'll tell you that nursing program that Seminole State College is one of the top in the state and they're churning out nurses as fast as they can. And I will tell you for every, you know, th- three times a year, they take people into the nursing program. There's about 900 applications for 150 spots. Mm-hmm. So that just shows you the demand. And obviously we know here in Florida that we have a nursing shortage. We have a, a physician shortage. And so, you know, I appreciate what Seminole state college and I appreciate what governor DeSantis is doing with allocating additional funds to expand these programs. Cause he understands that we're going to be, you know, really in a, in a bad position here soon and not be able to take care of, you know, all the residents of the state of Florida. You know, when we think about the whole school system uh, for community colleges, especially, that was a brilliant move back when those were started because they're not only great and affordable to enter into right out. It's a great transition to go from high school into that if, you're, if they're going to go there. Uh, and, and, and yet from there, the way they feed into universities like, like University of Florida Mm -hmm. or FSU, it's so much easier to get into one of those schools at that point as a transfer from a a community college or a state college. Uh, that's a really a great move. And I think a lot of parents aren't realizing just how helpful that is. But this whole thing that you're talking about, the emphasis where the community colleges could actually be funneling people toward trade schools, that's really a novel thought and something that uh, needs to be considered. I know we we talked during the break about Charlie Kirk, and he's writing a book on uh, why parents should not send their kids to college. Well, I mean, you you look at most universities or most, you know, four-year institutions, particularly they're very liberal, you know, and the professors and and they're indoctrinating our kids. You know, they want to make them dependent on government. I believe in the opposite. I don't want anyone being dependent on government. I want you to make your own path. I want you to forge your own career because that's going to make you a better person yeah, in general. Right. You know, again, controlling your own destiny is is the better way. And so what they're learning at these four-year schools is not, uh, it's not what we want to be teaching our kids or mm-hmm. what we want the next generation who's going to help lead us to have that. You know, we don't want them to have a sense of entitlement. We want them to have a sense of entrepreneurism to go take that risk and you know, look, you may fail, but you know what? You also may succeed. Mm-hmm. And, and again, what I'm hearing from different uh, friends in the community who own, who are entrepreneurs or own construction companies, they can't get enough workers. 
They yeah. are they are paying top dollar for workers right now, and and they still can't fill enough positions. So it's a it's an issue that you know we know we need to fix, and so we're working on it with along with the governor's office to get the the funds there from the state legislature to make sure that we can expand these programs and and really starting to go into the middle schools and talk to middle school students and their parents uh, and kind of you know help them show a pathway of look not everyone's designed to go to college but hey maybe here's a pathway for your student to get a career you know a trade career and there's again there's a lot of students who are interested in the trade careers in middle school they kind of know what they want to do so we can, we want to help show them that pathway to you know this is this is a pathway forward you know so that you can start your own business you can have your own career and not be relying on government. Let's switch back now for a moment to business because you are a small business owner yourself and uh, a really great business for what we've gone through with this pandemic and offering all of those safety devices and uh, the, the, the equipment that is needed during uh, these, these times and these difficulties that we're facing today. But along with that, I, I have come this uh, amazing situation of supply chain shortage. That's got to be something that's frustrating to you as a businessman owning your own business. Uh, has that particularly affected your work? I mean, we've we've had a few situations where we've had delays in the in the product, or we've had limited supply. Um, for the most part, we don't have the supply chain issues. Um, we use a six month kind of you know logistics cycle so we're we're manufacturing six months out you know for product that we're going to sell six months later you know so we're, we're counting in the the manufacturing time and the logistics and there's always a window there to you know make sure we have a buffer but you know i know a lot of companies who have had major issues now we're seeing a major issue today with baby formula i saw i heard that on the way here yeah and you know who would have ever thought that that would be yeah. a, an issue but you know you take a, a recall you know from abbott laboratories had a had a voluntary recall and now all of a sudden we have parents scrambling to make sure that they can find formula for their kids because, you know, it's not as easy as switching a baby from one formula to something else. It's, you know, there's going to be issues and there's going to be adjustments. But, you know, this is something where in the, the Biden administration really needs to step in and, and show some leadership. But we're just not seeing that at this point. And so it's it's scary. And there's a lot of other issues out there. Um, again, we're all paying for it at the pump. We're all feeling it at the grocery store. You know, we're we're feeling it in daily life. And it's just it's outpacing, you know, what salaries are are maintaining at, at mm-hmm. this point. So, you know, a lot of families are struggling and, and I, I hope we don't see a, a bubble and a pullback because there's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna be in trouble with inflation, you know. You know, for, for folks who have assets or have, you know, worked hard and build some assets, they'll be okay. But but fifty five percent of the population doesn't have any really any assets. They don't have enough money to go basically mm-hmm. two weeks. And those are the people who are going to be in serious, you know, in dire financial need and they're going to be in trouble. And it's, you know, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's their own choices and sometimes it's just the economic policy that has made this. So we really need to, again, get back to, you know, being energy independent in this country, you know, because, you know, we're buying oil from the Mideast, that is. And we were there. We were there. We I were mean, there up until just over a year ago. Yeah, we were we were there, and then all of a sudden we've seen it overnight. You know, I, I went and filled up with gas yesterday, and I got four dollars nineteen cents, and I thought I was getting the deal, Mike. You yeah, know, because you know it's four forty nine at the gas station. I happened to go to Sam's Club, and it was 
419. I was like, wow, this is a deal. But it yeah. still cost me $90 to fill up my vehicle. And oh, I'm, yeah. And I'm going, you know, there's something wrong with this. But, but what folks don't realize is when we, you know, by not being energy independent, we're buying oil from the Mideast and countries that, that don't like us, that yeah. support terrorism, that support our enemies out there yeah. who, who want to do us harm. And why would we ever want to be relying on them when we've got all the resources here? And we have the technology to, you know, to obviously make sure we're pulling the oil out of the ground safely. You know, I mean, obviously accidents do happen, but, you know, but I think the technology has come around so much that we can fix those problems. And again, it's, it's worth the risk to make sure that we have our own independence for our country. You know, on that, with our independence being kind of stopped, if you will, with all of the pipelines work uh, ending and cancellation of other orders up in Alaska, do you feel that those things can be revitalized under a different administration? I think so. And remember, because those were stopped under executive orders, Mm -hmm. one signature. You know, Joe Biden did that on day one. He stopped those. And, you know, not only did he just stop the pipelines, but he stopped the hotels and the home builders and the restaurants and all the other supply chain, you know, companies and, and mom and pop businesses out there who were supplying all the construction workers. And, you know, and I remember hearing a story about one hotel that was 100% occupied. And on the day after Joe Biden took office, their occupancy was zero the next day wow. because the pipeline had stopped. All the workers went home. Yeah. So, you know, you take a, you know, someone who took the financial risk, they took a risk to build a hotel. In this case, they are offering it. You know, they're not mega corporations. They're mom and pops who took a risk, who put their life savings in. And all of a sudden, they're at financial ruin. And that takes a that took a stroke of a pen. And again, you know, Joe Biden, you know, he he obviously bowed to political pressure. Um, but in the day, you know, he's hurting the economy. He's hurting working families. Well, uh, these are times that are difficult for all of us. And uh, as uh, a station that is caring for the people, caring for the public, wanting to do things to honor God. You know, there are so much that we we need to be doing as people to say, God, have mercy upon us. I think one of the first things we need to do, I love my friend Dave Zanotti, who often talks about, let's pray and then let's get busy. So those are two things that go hand in hand. They're not mutually exclusive in any way. We need to pray that God would have mercy upon our country. But there's also that sense that we need to get involved and get busy and do exactly what you are doing and saying, you know, I'm going to do what I can do to make a difference, a practical, physical difference. And it's not without its effort. It's not without for you sacrifice. I'm very sure of that. Yeah, it's it's worth the sacrifice. You know, I think, you know, if you look at our education system right now, you know, we need to put God back in our schools. You know, we need to put parents back in charge. You know, we need to make sure that parents have school choice, you know, can decide for their own kids. Um, you know, again, our education system is, has gotten, you know, so, you know, has gone so far to the left with indoctrination and not wanting to teach our kids history. You know, let's teach our kids history. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, you know, I, the way I, you know, you know, I read a Bible script every day through the, you know, the, the app on my phone, it's called Jesus Daily. And, you know, one of this, the messages the other day was, always turn to God, always turn. Sometimes we don't understand the difficult times, you know, we don't understand, but it's part of his overall plan. And so I think, you know, that we all need to again make sure that we keep God in the focus and forefront and always pray to him and ask him, mm-hmm. give me guidance. You know, and that, again, there's, there's things that you, we all overcome. 
but it's it's God that leads us every day. Now that you're there, you're candidate uh, for Congress from Florida, and all of uh, that you wondered about has now become reality for you because you're in the race. What are the days for you ahead like right now? So we're uh, so we do a little bit of everything, you know. So we're obviously we we speak to different groups every day. Sometimes, you know, I spoke to four different groups yesterday. So you know, there's a lot of miles that are going on in the vehicle. You know, again, Seminole County and Volusia County, you know, aren't really that big per se. But when you start going back and forth, you know, you're doing mm-hmm, 150, yeah. maybe 200 miles in a day. So the, the miles add up on the vehicles at, at 450 a gallon of gas as well. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but you know, there's you know, we we also drop off signs to people you know a lot of you know voters will contact us say hey i I want a yard sign you know we drop them off you know because you know they're they're putting their trust in us you know they're they're standing with us um for our messaging so yeah the days are busy but it's absolutely worth it you know i try to make sure that my kids or my girlfriend you know go with me to the events you know because i like to share these events with them because they can't be there all the time with me but i want them to be part of it i want them to be part of the experience Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll tell you, my kids are some of the best campaigners, you know, we'll, we'll go to a, like a, a civic group and my kids will pass out the palm cards that just tell, tell our story. Well, sometimes a voter may turn it down from me, but you're not going to turn it down from two cute, you know, cute daughter, you know, my two <laughs> cute daughters, you know, Sophia and 16 and Alyssa's 12, you know, and you know, they kind of have a competition with each other of who can give out more palm cards and who can get, you know, dad more votes. So I, I love it. I love sharing the, the opportunity and the experience with them um, just to teach them of, Hey, hard work is going to breed success. It does. And we're thankful for people who are stepping up to make a difference. Uh, I know that uh, your, your area that you live in is such a wonderful area. Sanford is growing as you mentioned earlier and the resources of that area is so beautiful. All one has to do is take that drive over I-4 and go over Lake Monroe. And you mentioned the river uh, earlier. I, as a boater back in the 80s and 90s here, I absolutely love spending time in the St. John's. I mean, that is just a treat. And it's part of old Florida, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one of three rivers in the entire world that actually flows north. So you yeah. can take St. John's River all the way up to Jacksonville and go out to the intercoastal and you're out into Atlantic, but it's, I mean, just, it's just pure Florida nature, oh. Florida beauty. You know, you can see alligators, you can see bald eagles, you know, bald eagles, you know, you mm-hmm. can see pretty much every different thing you want to see, you know, across the river. Um, but it's, it's just absolutely, you know, pure Florida goodness. Well, we wish you the best and thanks for dropping Thank by today so Appreciate and it. being with us on this program. Scott Sturgill, give us your contact information. So it's uh, www.scottsturgillforcongress.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Scott Sturgill for Congress, Twitter at Scott underscore Sturgill, and then also on Instagram at Scott Sturgill. So, um, you know, I'd be more than happy. I'll give out my cell phone. You know, most people think I'm crazy for doing this, but my cell phone is 407-399-0717. Call or text me, and then my personal email is scott at scottsturgill.com. I'll answer you back. Sturgill spelled S-T-U-R-G-I-L-L. That scott, is correct. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Coming up in segment three, an archived interview with David Crowder. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. Here we are back for segment three on this Friday, dipping back into the archives from 2013. Wow, almost nine years ago, I had the opportunity to interview 
David Crowder. Now, I've had just numerous interviews, tons of them with artists. I can tell you this. I think I had more fun interviewing David Crowder than just about anybody else. He was amazing. So we're going to go back to nine years ago, just before the release of Neon Steeples with David Crowder. He had just moved from Texas to Atlanta. Enjoy this question as I asked him what the move to Atlanta was like. <laughs> I know us Texans, we look. We love our fine republic, don't we? Uh, so, so getting out of there was uh, pretty significant. I, I I was born there, raised there, and then in Texarkana, and then so I barely made it in uh, to the great state of Texas, and then moved to Waco to go to school at Baylor, and part of a church start there and on staff for 16 years, and and man, I mean, talk, I, I, that was home. That was absolute home. And, and with the different seasons of life. And in the Crowder band, uh, my wife went to went to school, went back to school. She transferred in all business stuff to a, a, a design school to get her interior design degree. And uh, we wound up in between Atlanta, Georgia, and Nashville, kind of popping back and forth. I wanted to be around the Passion City Church with Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin, and and not have to lead, but just get to be a part of a of a, a community and and get to know what was going on there. And so that was wonderful. But yes, uh, it was. It was. Uh, I, I like to refer to Walter Brueggemann's statement of uh, you know the, the the theme that's in scripture so often, where you have you have orientation, disorientation, and then reorientation. And that's definitely the move from from home to try to find a, no, a new home. Uh, it was. There's a lot of there's a uh, disillusion in that moment where you're. Am I doing the right thing? I'm in the right place. All of that stuff. Am I where God wants me to be? And 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 uh, that man. It was. It's been a great three years. Probably the the most enjoyable three years of my life, and half of that is just because you're 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 in that moment of of wonder. How do I follow? What's this next step? Just give me enough light for the next step, and and I, and the bravery to take it. And that's about all I need or can handle right now. And and that was definitely for both me and me and my wife Tony. That's been it. And and then we found. And sure enough, we just. Atlanta, Georgia has turned into home, and we just love it. The people are amazing, and and, uh, our experience here has just been wonderful so far. Now, you got there just in time for the big passion event that was really, uh, it had to be unbelievable, taking over that football field that night, and and there you are. uh, what, What kind of a sight was that to see that entire football stadium lined up that night? Well, man, I love part of why I've been attached to the passion movement for so long. Um, you know, sort of at, about a year or two after our church start in Waco, I got connected to Louie and found him, his heart for college students. It was in a similar space as, as ours. Um, just because that collegiate moment is su- such a, man, life can go in a lot of different directions. You know, it's just such a pivotal moment. And, and to be, in the in the Georgia Dome with you know seventy thousand college students, it, it man that just just that alone, without a note being played or a word being spoken, was enough. That was enough. I mean, the heart just swelled. Going, man, the Church of God is alive. Mm-hmm. College students are passionate about the story of Jesus, and and as I said, man, for them to look across the field and see that many of their peers in one place. Um, getting swept up in song, getting moved by by the word of God spoken aloud, um, man, it, just just that that's significant and and formative, and 
And so, yeah, it was, I, I thought it was just beautiful. Uh, it encouraged me in a way that, that, um, I don't, I don't know how a lot of other things could, could make a statement like that. Um, just because as I said, there's a, a collegiate moments really pivotal and there's been a trend historically in the States of, 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 a exodus from the church in that collegiate moment and to see the passion in these, in these students' eyes and, and, and feel, feel their presence was just, Oh, it's awesome. That's tremendous. And I know that you're joined up with not only great leaders, but these are great friends to you with Chris Tomlin and Matt Redman and Louis Giglio. And, and what a wonderful thing that it is for all of us, David, to sit back. And I want you to know we're praying for you with, with all that God's opened up and to see the, the influx of revival that is coming to our country through this, this movement. It's, it's so exciting. Well, I, I feel the same way. Um, you know, I, I, I as you said, I've just been such good friends with him for so long. You know, before before Louis' reach was as far as it is, and 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 Chris, you know, nobody even heard his name. And and right. to watch what God's breed through through it's through a, a little dude from Texas that you know was hanging out at College Station, A and M, Aggie. That that's my my uh, uh, I guess uh, not enemy per se, but the Baylor Bears and the Aggies just don't get along and have this friendship <laughs> exceed. Exceed school rivalry, and then and then even friendship exceed any sort of competitive moments between all of these artists that are part of the six step still man. You you can't get happier than watching God breathe through through your friends and peers and people that you've known and loved for so long, and to watch watch their platform elevate and go, man, that is a dude that you want. That's a dude that you want carrying the story of God because um, you've known him for so long and and seen how they just given themselves to to help the church sing or or help the church know a broader picture of who God is and and so so it's a really special thing I think that that we we get to be a part of and and humbled and and inspired by it all at the same time. No, oh, that's great. David, to tell me a little bit about this new I am single. It's so great. Thank you for what a great oh. song that is. Well, I'm happy about it being useful. Uh, I got to write that with Ed Cash. Who uh, I mean, speaking of Tomlin, I mean, Ed Ed has written with Chris and and oh, for so, years. So I mean, I mean, there's so many people that that know Ed's music but don't know Ed at all. But that dude is just dripping with talent, and and the way he's able to say things about our story is just uh, he's just a wordsmith as well as a talented producer and mixer. And and uh, so I so when as soon as we got uh, done with the Crowder Band thing, and I was able to you know, look around and see who it was I wanted to play with and make music with and write with. Uh, Ed was about the first phone call I had. I was mm-hmm. like, dude, we got to get in a room together. And so took him to the idea of the chorus. And then, uh, and then we spent, uh, uh, gosh, that's one of those songs that just fell out, fell out of us. I mean, we're both in tears and, and clinging to, to the, to that, to our experience more than anything that we have these propositions of faith, you know, that here God reveals himself and, and says, I am, I am with you, you know, in Christ even, you know, God, God is with us, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. And, and, and that's what, when moments get tough, that's, that's one of the things we, we hold on to, you know, that's a belief that we, we cling to. And, and what we find experientially is that turns out his grasp is, is a bit more strong than ours even. <laughs> that, <laughs> that we find that, that that truth is is true. Yes, and, it is. And, and sure enough, we're holding on to him, he's holding on to us, and thank goodness he's got us. And and uh, then all the rest of that stuff fell around that idea. You know, as I said, a really 
quick and beautiful way, and we're we're uh, glad that that thing's gotten out and about, and I hope it's been as meaningful as it was for us riding it because it man we were torn up. It was oh. it was a good moment. Oh, we love it, and of course you're the CD. Tell me about the name Neon Steeple. How did you come up Neon with that? Neon Steeple. I mean that thing. Well, I, I have to. I tend to, to like to right into uh, some sort of context. Uh, it, it, sometimes I'll just make rules like, hey, on this record, you got to do such and such. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I, I work better within a, a framework of sorts. And so for me, this, this, this record had a framework of one, sonically, I wanted to marry, I wanted to marry banjos and computers. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted our past and the future to be all in one place. And, and uh, just because I love, I love electronic music and I also love Roots music, you know, uh, growing oh, up in yeah. Texas, the, the banjo, the fiddle, uh, that porch music thing was just—it's just been in my—it's in my blood. And so mm-hmm. I thought, man, I need to get these things that are in my insides, all in one place and outside of me. And and this the, the, this neon steeple image uh, was a blend of the same, kind of the same thing. I, I, we were wrapping up a tour, topping this hill in West Virginia. I was sitting in the front of the bus as the sun was coming up, and and there's this little coal mining town in the valley below and in the middle of that town this church with the steeple poking up out of everything and i thought man that's just that is a beautiful image you know here you were in a harder time where where life and death are right next to each other and 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 you've got this thing doesn't matter where you are coming from uh you know you're coming home or or or, or going to something tough you, here's this deal pointing that you can't miss and uh, to something bigger and grander and and tra- more transcendent than what your your present tense is, and and but we don't man, we don't build we don't build churches like that. Our architecture's changed quite a bit. <laughs> it looks right. more like office buildings, and and uh, not a bad thing. It's just I thought, man, I just that's such a a great cultural uh, iconic thing to have among us uh, among us. And and then, I, but I thought, well, I got I can't just hold on to the past. I got to be leaning forward and. And uh, and as I was having some conversations with friends, I, I kept coming to this modifier of neon, thinking, well, that's a you gotta you gotta get past the noise, you know. The, mm-hmm. Our culture is is quite noisy, and to get a get a to get some sort of thematic statement or or something that you're trying to say heard, you gotta. What we do is we market. That's what we do. We market now, and churches are in a free market here. That's I think part of what's kept Christianity alive when it's not state government, you know. Oriented, it, it, that's what you know, the churches actually had to compete um, for for an ear of of culture, and and neon is, is exactly that. I mean, it is a it's a thing that tries to grab your attention and and tell you, hey, hey, just don't worry about this right now. You know, <laughs> it's usually marketing something that's a distraction mm. to our our state of reality, which is that life and death do live close together. And that life is is a is a brief, is but a brief thing, and and so I, I thought it was just amazing um, to have these two things sitting sitting in, in front of people, uh, both as an image in their minds, and 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 hopefully the music reflecting something that does point to something bigger and grander, and and that sounds that that catches the ear, that catches the ear in a in a way that holds our present tense and how we interact with each other. Um, in a way that's, uh, uh, it points to something sacred, you know. And here we have Facebook, and that's we, we feel like we're close to people that we hadn't seen in 20 years because we know that their kid just won a t-ball tournament. <laughs> right. But we don't we don't have any proximity physically to them, and and that's that's an interesting. So it's an interesting place that we live in right now, and and uh, I, I wanted 
I wanted the sounds and the and the and the presentation of this record to to hold all of that at the same time. I can't wait to hear it. Can't wait to hear the rest of it. And if it's anything at all like I am, it's I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. I have one more quick question. If you've got a time, I've got absolutely. To, I've got to ask this because uh, you know, again, a fan watching all of the stuff from Passion a couple years ago, th- uh, and being a guitar player too, I have to ask you: What is the <laughs> significance of Ray? Tell me that. <laughs> Here's what's great about this. Uh, now. now I- uh, I have to say, I have to kind of out myself because um, <laughs> because of the, the, I was at a show one time, and, or it, well, it, it tends to happen every so often. If you're in a more intimate setting, you know, and the crowd feels like the interaction is appropriate, they'll they'll yell things at you. And I like this part of of being among people in a in a large group setting. But so somebody's yelling like, "What's Ray? Who's Ray?" You know. <laughs> so I, I stop I stop everything and I go, "Well, okay, I'm gonna I'll tell you who Ray is." Um, my dad, he was he was in the hospital, and and you know we expect it was kind of like a his his death is nigh kind of moment, and he he hands me this guitar and he says, son, I want you to carry this guitar with you everywhere, and I want you to play, and I want you to tell the story, of God, and and then I get about there and I, I stop and I go, I, I'm just kidding, I have no idea who Ray is. <laughs> of course, everybody was was quite upset with me for trying to tell. Tell a oh man, you're, story. you already you pulled me in too, on huh? this, man. Yeah. No, I have no idea who Ray is. <laughs> I asked the same question. I don't know. I bought I bought the guitar at this little shop in New York City, and I was asking the same thing to the guy I was buying from. Like, well, what's the deal? Who's, what's the story with Ray? Who's Ray? I don't know. Ray, if you're out there, I have your guitar. I'd like to talk. I'd like to know. People want to know who you are and where you come from. But I I I can't I can't answer. I have the oh. same question. Dave, that's yeah. hilarious story, man. You 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 <laughs> took me right in with you there, and I yep. I'm sitting here dying right now. There you have it, folks. The big three letters, uh, Ray, uh, on his guitar. David Crowder has no idea. Who... <laughs> it is a mystery. It is a mystery. That's uh, too funny, my man. Well, we wish you the very very best on this new release on Tuesday, and I can't wait to hear it, David. Oh, I appreciate it, and thanks for letting me uh, hang out for a little bit. Uh, uh, and I can't wait for people to hear it. I hope it becomes something meaningful. And from my standpoint, it was very meaningful. Again, that's an archived interview from late 2013. Boy, that's been a while now, almost nine years ago. David Crowder, one of my favorite musicians and certainly one of my favorite interviews. And that's about all the time I have for this Afternoons with Mike. Hope to see you again on Monday. Have a nice weekend.